0: Welcome to another episode of the Rental Journal podcast, a podcast dedicated to the equipment rental industry. I'm your host, Mark Simonson, and today our guest is Scott Cannon. Scott is the CEO for a company called Big Rents, which is based out of Southern California. Now Big Rents is a very unique company where they run an online marketplace for construction rental equipment using a re-rent model that is supported by 4,000 companies across the US in 10,000 different rental locations. This is a very different company, and I'm quite excited to talk to Scott about how the company built up and how they support the current rental industry. Scott, thank you for coming on the Rental Journal podcast. To kick things off, can you talk to me about how you got into the equipment rental industry?
1: Thank you, Mark, and I appreciate you asking me to join you today. I'm a, a, a long-term four-year veteran of the rental industry, so I didn't uh, grow up in the space like a lot of people did, and, and I was in the logistics industry for about 20-plus years, I had uh, sold my previous company and retired, and one of my former partners was a small boutique private equity group called St. Cloud. That's based in uh, Southern California. And St. Cloud had made an investment in this company called Big Rents and thought it would be a good idea to introduce me to the original founders of the business uh, back in 2015, or at the end of 2015. And uh, we had a number of conversations, more just of a guidance, uh, how can I sort of help um, from a structure business standpoint and a relationship started to form uh, to the point where the, uh, the founders asked me to come in and, and run the business and, and sort of take the business and run with it and kind of expand like I had in my, my previous uh, experience. And um, yeah, I'll tell you, it's, it's been an absolute blast and, and honor and a pleasure to work with some very talented people uh, that we have at Big Rents. And I have enjoyed the industry. Um, my, my own personal background uh, was in agriculture as a kid, so I've worked on large equipment. Um, always had sort of an interest in it. And I love the customers and I love our rental, uh, rental company partners. They're, they've been just a super blast to work with.
0: For the people that are listening that, that don't really know what big rents are, uh, whether they be internationally or maybe even the US, maybe just want to explain the, the business concept because it is a little bit different to other rental businesses out there. So can you explain exactly what is big rents and just a brief history of the company?
1: Sure. Um, Big Rents is an online marketplace for construction rental equipment. So we meet uh, supply and demand online. And the way it works is we advertise online for equipment and uh, you go on our website. You you put in the job site location. It gives you a dynamic price uh, down to the uh, county level across the United States and uh, parts of Canada. Um, and that tells you day, week, four week price. And if you put the information in and go through a typical shopping cart experience, it'll give you the transportation cost as well, back and forth. And then you can put a credit card in and basically book your rental, just like you would any other online shopping experience. In, in the background, we have 4,000 rental companies across the United States and Canada uh, that represent well over 10,000 rental yards uh, that are part of our network. And uh, you'll put in for like a, you know, a scissor lift in Irvine here you know, in Southern California and book it. And we have algorithms determine when that unit will be available, how much it should cost. Um, and once we take that payment information, your rental secure as a customer. And on the back end, we use a, a system called Quick Rents that crowdsources the equipment. And so we have pre-negotiated prices with all rental companies, and it spits out the information of the rental, and it's whoever clicks first. It's a thumbs up, thumbs down. If you hit that thumbs up, the rental information's sent over, a purchase order, and the rest of the history as a typical rental basically happens. And if you hit thumbs down, we track all that information to understand why and we filled, feed it into our algorithms to determine uh, you know, when units will be available next time. Uh, that's the, the gist of what we do. Do you have any, does that make sense to you, Mark?
0: It does. And I guess let's just take it back a step and say I'm a customer and I go on the website and I, and I reserve a, a 19 foot scissor lift uh, for, for rental and I put my credit card in and everything's put in. Like who's then responsible for that rental contract with that customer and things like transport, invoicing, damage, uh, maintenance of the equipment?
1: So we are. So what's one of the value adds to our rental, uh, rental partners is that we're indemnifying them of damage and uh, you know, loss information, I mean, uh, uh, loss losses. Um, we work directly with the customer, so we vet the customer on the front end, and we hold them res- ultimately responsible for you know damages or you know theft of equipment and so forth. Um, we invoice the customer, we take payment, and then we pay on on the, on the backside to the to the rental company. So, the difference of what we charge in the market and versus what we charge our, our rental the, the rental company charges us is our spread, is our profit margin, and that's how we work. So it's it's like it's like the re-rental industry, except we use a lot of technology. Uh, in order to facilitate the process.
0: So then how do you guarantee things like delivery times then if you're, if you're working purely on a re-rent model?
1: Yeah. So we work that out with our supplier network in, on, the, on, the, on the front end. And they have uh, obligations of windows when things are going to be delivered the same way it would if, if somebody went directly to a rental company today. So the experience is the same. The difference is we save people time and effort of having to shop around and figure out rental logistics. So, a typical customer for us might be somebody that does, you know, 15 different retail locations in 15 different locations over three days, and they send technicians to each one of those. Well, historically, what they would have to is had relationships with multiple rental companies or search the first time they go to Boise, Idaho. They've never been there before. They need to find out where that, you know, who's there. Instead of negotiating contracts with five or six different rental companies to fill it, they do it with one. So that's that's really the value added for the customer is that they get a simple. Easy experience on the front end. And it's not, you know, it's not drinking through the fire hose to try to find, you know, the right price and haggle over pricing and that kind of stuff. We, you know, we're charging a market based price, which is going to be fair and commensurate with what they're going to pay anyway. So it's time, effort, energy, tracking, all those sort of things we save the customer.
0: And I think that there's not many business rental businesses uh, in the US or even uh, around the world that have a, a pure online presence where you can go on and rent something online and actually manage that transaction through that process. It, a lot of times I've seen you can go online but it just shoots an email to someone's inbox and someone manually needs to go do and do something. Is that a game changer for you guys as well?
1: Well, we think so. Um, there's only really one there's not really only really one company uh, that's the largest company in the world that that actually has a similar experience where you can book online and I don't know if they do a guest checkout anymore. So it's always a hybrid. You, you'll get some customers that can, that have an online presence where you can do some functionality online, but as a new customer to go from start to finish, um, yeah, it's very rare. Um, and yes, it is a game changing, uh, uh, you know, event for, for our industry. And I think long-term that's where it's gonna go. That's where, if you look at the amazification of everything now with COVID, everything you buy, I mean, everything I buy at home is online. You know, I, I think Christmas this year, everything was purchased on Amazon. I don't think we bought one thing at a store and, um, or the other online you know, individual stores. And I think that's the way it's gonna, I think our industry is gonna catch up eventually.
0: And so something that I've noticed in Australia, which it would be interesting to see how you overcome this challenge is, let's say that you need to put something out on rent and the customer, the end customer wants to see the service history for that machine prior to the machine going out. How do you manage that engagement in terms of uh, ensuring that you can provide the relevant information about the the asset before it actually arrives
1: on site? It's a great question. There are workarounds today when customers have that specific need. The good thing is a lot of customers don't have that need today. But um, integration with third-party software, uh, particularly software the rental management software that's available out there, there's a number of providers that that, that have the ability to track that information, compile that information. A lot of telematics solutions out there as well that sort of integrate with those rental software solutions. There's a lot of pieces to the puzzle. Part of this is our industry needs to catch up and adopt and move faster. So I'll give you an example of a a company here in Southern California that we use that has a rental management software and they use it for parts of their business, but they don't do it for the entire amount. So some of that information is not available and you have to get it in different systems. I think one of the things that we can do is partner with certain companies and make that available to our rental network so that they're getting it at a discount or it's consistent across the board because the, the more consistency we can have as an industry and more uniformity the more the small and mid-sized rental companies can compete with the larger companies. So because the only ones that can really do that today are the larger companies that are much more established and invested a significant amount of money in technology the good thing about technology is it's really not as expensive as people believe it is and if used properly, can give you a competitive advantage.
0: Yeah, I think it's a good point. And and the other thing I was thinking about just then was I'm assuming because you have that online presence, you would I would assume you also have some type of online portal where people can track their rentals and do things like call off rents. Is, is that an option as well that you can sort of manage online?
1: Yes, it is. And you can, you can you can provide um, uh, information or questions as well. And uh, we're very close to sort of launching our. our second or third version or whatever version we're on, it's in the online portal. We'll be doing some job site aggregation so customers can see everything that ever happened on a job site. We can look at it from different, supply, uh, different contractors that are on the same job site and understand what's going on. And they, soon there'll be an ability for, uh, when you put your information in to call off job site without us being in the middle, the communication flowing back and forth to the rental company. And we're just monitoring it on the on you know uh, in the middle to make sure it's been done correctly. But today you can go in there and cancel a job, you can extend a job, um, you can put a service request, uh, ask questions that you know that's uh, you know what's going on with your lift or what whatever, and we'll troubleshoot the easy stuff. And then when it gets complicated, we engage the rental company to uh, to participate in the process.
0: And so let's say that there is a breakdown. The the triage, let's just call it, comes to to big rents. And then if the, if the service tech needs to go on site, would you then outsource that to the original rental company? Or would you then organize your own service techs to go out and and, uh, and repair the equipment?
1: Um, more of the former um, is more common, but uh, we'll occasionally have to, to, depending on what kind of piece of equipment we're talking about. If we're talking about a large boom that's been moved several hundred miles away from where we secured it, then sometimes we'll have to get our own you know, maintenance crew or somebody out there to, to, to work on the, the equipment. So it's, it's both, but it's generally the rental company itself will engage. And the value to the customer is that we're their advocate. And the value to the rental company is that we're going to troubleshoot all the easy stuff. You know, why is my alarm going off and the, the lift won't lift? Well, is it at an angle? I mean, you know, the simple stuff. Um, we'll knock all that out and, uh, and then, uh, you know, get the pertinent information so that the rental company is not wasting their time on site and they can get out there and get it fixed right the first time.
0: And then, so if, if you are working off a rerunt model, obviously a high standard of equipment is, is really important to ensure that you're always supplying the needs for your end customer as well. So is there a way that you sort of vet some of these companies that are providing equipment to your end customers?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And, uh, you know, a company has been in business since 2012 and, um, you know, one of the, or the early days are making mistakes by letting anybody in the, in the sort of network we have a rental supply team that goes out and negotiates uh, our contracts with our rental uh, partners and they'll visit, they'll see the equipment themselves um, and then we rate every transaction internally. So if there's, a, if there's a potential issue with somebody who's in our network, we track that and we look at the performance of, uh, of them over time. And so that goes into consideration in terms of who we actually pick um, or who we actually provide the information for a potential rental to. And uh, there've been a number of, of companies we kicked out um, because they, they either had poor equipment or they didn't perform and send the information, you know, send it when it was supposed to. And so that's one of the values of collecting all that data and, and servicing tens of thousands of customers is that you, you, you tend to understand who the good rental companies are and who needs a little bit of work. And that's how we do it.
0: Yeah, I can see in a few years time, you're gonna have a lot of data that you can analyze just through the whole end-to-end process of managing that engagement with the customer where a lot of people, they have that data spread out in multiple systems or it's in a system and they're not reporting on it very accurately. And because you've got that entire process and it's all online, you can really figure out, I guess, how to make better decisions to make a better experience for the end customer as well, I believe would be a big, big plus.
1: Yeah, and then on the flip side, um, Mark, one of the things we do for our our rentals partners we provide market information, we have data in terms of what works, what, what's in demand. So, you know, if if, if a supplier or a rental company um, lost a couple opportunities because they didn't have something available, we feed that information back. We say, hey, look, if you just bought three more, you know, forklifts in this type in this area, you would have had X amount of rentals. So data is gonna be key from a whole I mean it, it it is ultimately the value of the company is the data being collected because it can be monetized in so many different ways.
0: And I just touching on that point, so I did read online that big rents isn't here to just disrupt the current industry and he's here to really partner with the existing rental businesses out there to support them in the market. Can you maybe just talk about like how the perceptions changed over the past few years uh, from the perception of the rental companies to big rents?
1: Yeah, I'd say even I got the tail end of the, the, the negative uh, connotation when I first started, because um, I think the, the industry itself has been highly resistant. And part of it is how companies like Big rents advertise themselves. So there are a couple of competitors that are out of business already that said, we're here to disrupt and you know, change the industry. We're here to partner. Um, and and it's, you know, that was the tone I set from day one uh, since I've been here. And I think it's resonated. And I, I think we're very well accepted. Uh, in the space. We were at uh, the ARA show, not this last year, the previous year, and uh, it was the first time that they had ever asked um, uh, companies like us to participate. So we had a booth and as we, I was standing at the booth, a gentleman walked by on his cell phone and actually had our platform. Uh, he, was, he was accepting a rental the moment he walked past us. It was a crazy story because like, what's, the, what's the odds? But it, it just showed, and we had a lot of people come up and talk to us and said, Hey, look, you know, I couldn't stand you guys. I thought you guys were going to do this, and it's actually worked out quite well. And uh, I think the, the proof is in how you it's actions, it's not words. And so, if you look at our pricing online, it's market based. If you look at how we take care of our rental partners and how we pay them, it, we do everything we say we're going to do. And we're not there to take customers. And we're, we're if you think about the small and mid sized rental companies, we're bringing customers to them, they may otherwise not be able to compete for. So I use an example of this Amazon facility where one of our rental partners was trying to get into uh, for years. And the first rental he ever got at that facility was through us, because the person who procured the equipment was a national person in a whole, I think in a different state. And that's the kind of things we're bringing. It's not, it's not here to, to hurt, it's, it's to compete and, and to do a better job against bigger companies. That quite frankly have more resources and, and a different perspective. Um, and it's worked out so far. I mean, we've carved out our little niche and it's a massive industry. We're not here to, uh, to own uh, the industry or, or do anything that's going to hurt anybody. Uh, we benefit because everybody benefits.
0: And touching on that, so I assume your target market from a rental company standpoint would mostly be the independents, the ones that can't, supply equipment to certain areas or can't get into certain businesses and and then obviously growing up from there and then telling maybe some of the larger guys as well is that correct in the scene in saying that
1: yeah i mean if you look at who we spend money with it's typically independents in and in regional uh players as well um you know mid sized rental companies you know maybe in a few states uh like an, like an area like the northeast united states or southwest or you know you know mid-atlantic or something. Um, but we have the large guys uh, are in our space too, and, and we have a good partnership with them as well. Um, I, I think we, we fit with everybody because it, it, we're really uh, fulfilling or taking their excess capacity. And right now, with COVID, a lot of people have excess capacity. So there's a lot of equipment, uh, you know, sitting, and I think people are generally happy with that. And in times where things are tight and things are busy, um, we're helping them own their customers because they can help find, you know, sometimes we'll re-rent to other rental companies. And, um, I think we have a place to play in the space because there's enough space for all of us. It's not, it's, uh, but yes, the answer to the question is the small, the independent and uh, mid-sized companies is our bread and butter.
0: And so what's the, in terms of the history, what's the, the growth being, uh, since the time, or maybe even before you came with the company into what it is today?
1: Yeah, so initially in the first year, I think the, the company did just a, you know, a few hundred thousand and then basically doubled every year thereafter and uh, really spiked in 2015 with the investment that was taken on. Uh, and you know, this, this last year, uh, you know, it basically was when it came to the business, we we're about 20 million and we've grown you know, at, a, at least a 20% plus compounded annual growth rate. And last year we more than doubled. Um, and this year we'll probably double again. Um, so, uh, the, that will be, if things go the way they're supposed to, we'll probably be north of a hundred million dollars, uh, in, in, us dollars, uh, in terms of gross revenue, um, and well on our way to a initial public offering sometime, uh, the middle of next year.
0: And so with that organic growth, I've noticed there's been a couple of acquisitions along the way as well. I think Lizzie Lift with their re-rent, uh, side of the business. And then it was also the equipment management group um as part of that so what were these acquisitions and is this something that we're going to see more of in terms of big rents acquiring businesses
1: yeah i mean one of the one of the value one of the things i looked at when i first came to the business was the business had been built to go public and had a massive massive infrastructure and people like me that are terribly expensive so uh, and well i say that i'm actually cheap but i'm expensive in relative terms to a uh to a a startup But, but the the point was if we, if we generated scale the company would have profitability and so when we looked at potential acquisitions we looked for companies that uh fit a need for us and, and lizzie lift for example we brought on two extremely talented uh, uh entrepreneurs uh, who had built their own business uh that were women in a male-dominated uh space and had uh built a 20 plus million dollar business uh, organically on their own uh and they came from the industry they're, they're their family, their dad and, and uncles and, and so forth were all in the space. They literally grew up on a rental yard and you can't replace that type of experience and that kind of knowledge. And then they had a very good complementary uh, rental network that, that worked with ours that, that where we had some holes, they, they filled um, a customer base that was very attractive for a number of reasons to us that we were trying to get into. And so that, that was really the fit there and it's worked out great. EMG was getting into more the service versus rental. So a lot of dumpsters, porta-potties, um, and that's part of the long-term strategy of owning a job site. We basically want to do everything that's at that job site and fulfill it from an online perspective. And uh, site services is a very fast-growing area online, and there were a number of more expensive uh, potential targets. This was This allowed us to get in and get several thousand uh, providers, a number of customers, start to carve our, our niche in our in our in a space and allow us to use the lessons learned in construction rental equipment to apply it there and grow relatively quickly without having to recreate, you know, a, a bigger company. And, and that's worked out quite well too as well. And in, in terms, terms of the future, yes, there's going to be additional MA activity. We have a very proven management team. We recently brought on our my former chief operating officer from my former company who helped me with 10 plus um, uh, integrations in you know my former life. And uh, yes, we're going to be highly uh, active uh, going forward.
0: And so with all this organic growth uh, and now the acquisitions, managing culture can sometimes be a, a challenge and, and making sure that you keep the company values uh, strong and, and keeping everyone on the same, I guess, the same vision and the same uh, direction. Uh, but I did notice that that Big Rents did win uh, or it was included in the, o- the Orange County Register top workplaces. How important is that, is that culture and how do you sort of control that culture um, with, with the rapid growth?
1: Well, culture is always important because I think it's just it's how, you treat, how you treat people and uh, what you expect from people is really ultimately um, the success or failure of your business. At the end of the day, I'm not doing all the work. I mean, everybody else is doing the work. I get to take credit for it. And, and, and by the way, I always give credit to, to, to people that actually do it. But um, culture was important before I got here. It's something we really kept. We wanted it to be fun, light, somewhere where you want to come to work. Uh, you know, the place looks great. Uh, there's a lot of extras. Um, people spend a lot of time and effort at the office. Uh, COVID's changed all that, right? So um, you know, that we, we're no different than anybody else. We've had struggles in terms of keeping culture sort of at the forefront through uh, COVID, we tried all kinds of things and it's like throwing spaghetti at the, the wall to see what sticks. I mean, it, it, it's, uh, it's an evolving process and I can't wait till we're all back, or at least most of us can be back into a, um, a more normal environment. Um, now in terms of the, the, how do you keep this when you acquire companies? You look for companies that have good cultures. Um, I wouldn't touch a company that there was not overlap. You know so like you know laser lift and emg they may have done things slightly different but 80 percent was the same and the 20 percent is is more optional you know like hey we we do we do this at the holiday party versus you do that it's it's not material things and um it's really hard and i've, I've unfortunately had the uh, the opportunity to buy companies where there was a, there were culture issues it's really hard to turn that around and at this at the pace we're going and the speed we're moving we don't have time for that um so uh, we have uh, what we call a no-jerk policy. Um, if you're not a fit, you probably won't last very long here. Um, and the, the people that do stick around, they stick around for a long time. And it's a, it's a fun place to, to work. And there's a lot of growth, and growth creates opportunity for people to expand and learn new things. And I think ultimately, that's one of the most important things when you go to work is that you're you're not stuck, um, you know, in in the same job over and over again. That you you do have the opportunity to expand your your, you know your intellectual uh, you know uh, desires
0: and I think it seems like big rents puts a lot of emphasis on internal & d and investment in the company itself which i think allows people to to learn more skills learn and, and be part of a company that is growing and have that that um, that that spend that, that they know that they're not going to a company that that isn't going to invest in it in the company itself and just try and sweat the acid, if you want to call it in that terminology, I think that must be a big part of of really attracting great staff members as well, and knowing that they're going to be along for the ride.
1: Absolutely. And I think it starts uh, from ownership and the board of directors all the way down. So one of the things I've been very cautious about, about, you know, who the partners we bring on board from investment and and so forth, and they have to share a similar vision. Because a lot of times we'll find companies where you're sort of putting a foot in the throat or you know squeezing out the uh, every uh, every last dollar um they're more financial institutionally owned and uh, it's been very important for us to allow us space and time uh to grow and make mistakes and uh and learn from them and i i tend to think that companies where people feel that uh, the companies invest in, in both the company and, and people uh generally have higher returns and i think there's a there's a number of um you know, uh, studies that, that, that bear that out.
0: Yeah, and you, you spoke briefly about the, the growth and, and sort of where the company's going, but in, in just in terms of the, the equipment rental industry, if we were to fast
1: forward to 2030, let's say, what do you think the landscape of the industry would look like? It's an interesting question. And I don't think from a fragmentation standpoint, it looks terribly different. Um, the, you know, you look at the companies that are rolled up and purchase companies, They've been doing it for, for the last 20, 30 years and uh, nobody still has a predominance of, of any space anywhere. And then um, you, know, you look at certain countries where uh, people get gobbled up by the large conglomerates and then they split off and start their own businesses or they, the business are successful and people learn and they go, I can do that. I going to run my family business. And so from that perspective, I think it looks kind of the same you know, in, 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 in nine years from now. I think what you see is a definite technology is adopted by that point. I, I think you see everybody on plat, similar platforms, um, maybe a lot of integration with telematics, um, a lot of data-driven decisions, um, probably some equipment that's much more uh, self, that doesn't require uh, uh, people maybe, um, you know, and, and some things that can be done, remote controls, uh, definitely more use of drones and, and job sites. I think uh, you're gonna see a lot more technology, a lot cleaner devices, um, devices that work better, perform better. Uh, and then from from our space, you're gonna see probably what you would see in most other uh, spaces that are somewhat similar where you rent an equipment um, or renting something else, you're gonna see more advertisement online, more things booked through your telephone, a simpler, easier process.
0: Yeah, and I think you, you touched on it earlier around Uh, maybe the Amazon effect where you can just click and you seem to buy something instantly. I think customers are going to eventually uh, get to a point where they want to be able to get a quote within minutes for rental equipment online and not days. And they want to be able to speak to someone about uh, an issue or they want more information about equipment. And and it's going to get to a point where the, the companies that can't provide that type of service because they haven't invested in the technology side may be left behind uh, and the ones that do invest in will take up more of the market share essentially.
1: I think that's completely logical and exactly what's gonna happen. And I would even, I'd be pushed back on minutes. Uh, I think, you know, 95% of what we rent, you can get a quote within seconds. Um, And then, you know, obviously there's certain items that are gonna be more problematic. You need to talk through it with somebody. That's always gonna happen. Uh, You know, when you get the larger equipment, that's a little bit more complicated job site, you might wanna talk to somebody. But I agree, you you probably want to be able to get the information relatively quickly and without having to make pen phone calls and wait for people to call you back and the rest of it. And there's enough data and enough, um, you know, business cases to support that and provide that information online up front to a customer to let them get what they need in the time frame they want it. And we all have instant gratification now because of Amazon and other types of online services. That's only going to get that's only going to accelerate over time. It's not going to go back. It's not going to be where it is today and it's not going to go back the way it used to be.
0: And so it really sounds for the most part that big rents is, is a technology company that's supporting the rental industry. And I think that's a, a really great thing that the company's offering. And, and, and so if it is just uh, as part of the, the platform as a technology company, how has the technology evolved over the past few years and where do you see it going within big rents as well?
1: Well, from our perspective, um, when, when I got here, the technology was relatively simple. Um, you know, in a lot of startup companies, you, you throw the, I don't, I'm going to be dating myself, uh, in the old old cartoons you used to watch, you see a TV and uh, the TV would be powered, but in the back there was a mouse sort of powering the, you know, the, the device. And, um, you know, we've rebuilt our systems uh, to the point where they're very robust. I mean, just the, the algorithms alone to determine pricing is highly, highly complex and it takes a... I think at one point it was taking an Amazon supercomputer like a week to basically do all the permutations so that we could actually put it out um, and it would be instantaneous pricing online. Um, it's much shorter duration now to basically crunch that data. But the, the, the point is, is we've invested millions of dollars per year in our technology. It's getting more user-friendly. Like I mentioned before we'll have a new customer facing technology here this year. That's even gonna be more impressive than what we currently have. Um, that's going to continue to evolve in the, in the change. And we are ultimately a technology company. We're bringing resources uh, to the industry that uh, they either haven't or, or, or aren't capable of, of providing currently. So um, that's a benefit to the industry. And um, hopefully that's a good thing that makes the customer experience more beneficial, which means people continue to rent and that uh, you know, rental penetration continues to increase. I think that 55% of equipment is rental equipment today. And that's gone up over the last twenty years. I would expect that we get to the point where it's almost all rental equipment. There's no reason to buy equipment. It doesn't make fiscal, you know, sense to to do so. And part of that process has got to be a more, it's got to be a better uh, experience for the customer.
0: And as more companies become online, they'll probably become more. Uh, in tune with online advertising. I think a lot of people that don't have an online presence in terms of being able to reserve equipment online or even just uh, the traditional um, uh, digital marketing campaigns uh, just aren't, aren't sort of there at the moment. Well, I don't think, I've, I just don't think that they're, they're in the rental industry. Like, so do you think that over time, more rental companies are going to advertise more and leverage That type of technology because it seems like because you're in that space like i'm assuming you spend a lot of money on your advertising
1: yeah scale matters there right so if if everybody advertises nobody wins except google and uh other paid search uh you know the best and if you look at like travel industry for example there are basically you know two or three large companies that dominate the space and then they have 15 or 20 platforms across the world and you go to google and that's all you see and that's kind of the same thing here. There's, there's a, there's a tipping point where you have to have a certain scale in order to compete with the larger companies because you can't spend enough money as a local independent uh, to, to do so against the larger company. And you got Google and other search engines have opportunities for local businesses where they try to provide their information. But in terms of advertising space and, and, and budgets, I think it's probably easier to partner with a company like us than try to do it yourself. Although and some of our supplier rental partners have out gone out and done it themselves and tried to, and then come back and say, okay, just send me, send me the opportunities. It's easier. So I think the best thing and this sounds self-serving is to focus on what they're really good at and now source the stuff that is not core to their business. And even though it's, it's generating revenue and so forth, we're really good at it. And it's uh, probably a, a better play to, to lever us than it is to maybe go out and try to do it yourself. Cause it is terribly expensive. And it is uh, complicated and, uh, and, and you have to have a dedicated resource to it. It's going to be hard for small and independent uh, companies to, uh, to do it in a manner that's effective.
0: And I think the mindset that maybe some rental companies would need to think through is, let's say hypothetically, I was thinking of bringing on an additional sales resource to help sell more rental in my business maybe the mindset should be, all right. Well, maybe we should invest some of that money that we're going to bring on with that sales rep to invest in a partnership with Big Rents because really it sounds like that, that portal that you mentioned is basically another form of a sales rep that's, that's giving leads to your team essentially.
1: I completely agree. Uh, and I'll use this, uh, a, a smaller independent um, rental partner we have that owns the own company. And I think we generated 250 new clients in one year for him. And he was happy because he was like to go get 250 new clients and spend all the time and paperwork and all the haggle of dealing with it. I just got him directly from you. And it was, it, it was like having another sales rep. It, that's the whole point. And uh, yes, there's a discount on the equipment uh, that, that we're getting, but it's not a heavy enough discount. It, it would have cost him significantly more to invest in a sales rep than it was the, um, the investment in doing business with us. It wasn't even close.
0: Yeah, and I assume that the, again, I'm not sure how many people do this metric, but an important metric I think is the total cost of acquiring customers. And, and I think what you just explained, <laughs> the cost of acquiring that customer will be minimal.
1: Almost zero. And it's usually because the equipment's available. So it, it's, it's really a creative uh, revenue if you think about it. It's not costing anything except opportunity cost of where something could have happened with that unit and reality is, if you go back and look at it, you it, it didn't hurt at all. And, and it didn't cost. You didn't have to have the employee. You didn't have the benefits, the training, um, and the success or failure rate um, that comes with sales. It, it really is just an additional sales resource with really little to no downside.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. It, I really hope yeah, people that are listening to this can really get a better grasp of, of what big rents is and it's sort of allows people to learn more about it because i think there's a really good opportunity here for businesses small businesses in particular to grow in areas where they maybe aren't and to really uh, help uh, acquire new customers so if you were to give some advice to somebody that was looking at starting their own online business in rental or maybe even a a re-rent online business like what advice would you give them
1: don't do it um (laughs) come come join big rents um Look, I, it's, I will tell you that uh, scale matters and uh, most online companies like big rents that have tried have failed. And and there are more tombstones that, and it goes back to the middle of the 2000s where people you know started this process. And I think what, what people underestimate is it's really much more complicated than it sounds. You think it's rental, what's the big deal? Well, it is a very complicated process and there's tons of different iterations of scenarios that could happen Uh, Just within one rental, Um, and it is complex, and there are issues like theft and damages that um, people start and would maybe underestimate. And I would say that there are things we've done to prevent those, and we use math. We're basically math geeks. Um, You know, everything's math, like to figure out how to, you know, how to basically uh, eliminate risk and uh, and maximize reward. And um, it's going to also be very expensive. Because you're going to burn cash trying to get uh, uh, carve out your space. Because there's there's a lot of players in it now, and the the bigger companies are starting to advertise online. So just be prepared for the lawn. The lawn haul would say would be my advice, and don't underestimate uh, you know potential uh, risk.
0: Okay, well let's um let's switch it up a little bit. I want to talk a little bit more about yourself personally. So if you could give some advice to your, your, your younger self, like what, what advice would you say?
1: Enjoy the moment. Um, and, 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 uh, I'm a, uh, always, was have always been constructively dissatisfied. So even with, you know, big successes around, I'd always look back and say, well, we could have done a little bit better. Um, and just say that, Hey, look, it's, it's where you're at is where you're supposed to be at and enjoy the ride because it goes fast. And, um, as I think back, I've had some really fortunate, um, I've been really fortunate to work with some really wonderful people. And at the time I maybe, uh, didn't understand how fortunate I was. And it's something that every day when I wake up and I come to the office and I get to work with the, some of my amazing coworkers, I, uh, I, I, I kind of kick myself and, and, uh, tell me how lucky I am. And I wish I would have always thought that way.
0: And and I guess like, some of the success that you've had, and, and even just to the point that you just mentioned, you would have learned from some other people as well. Like, there's some key mentors that played a big part in, in your career to date.
1: Uh, absolutely. Um, and too many to mention. But I will say that at, at different times, I've really got to lean on on some incredible people. Um, oh, my goodness. Uh, where do I even start? There's a gentleman named Kirk who who is the one of my friends first bosses at a logistics company. And um, I would say he just had a unique uh, management style, but I got to, I got to learn about making sure things got done and timely and be on top of things. And then a gentleman named Steve Waller, uh, who's one of the early DHL employees. Um, he was my uh, CEO when I was CFO at, at my former company and took me around the world. And I think the first, you know, first trip it was London. The second one was in Sydney where you're located. And just his world perspective just broadened everything and then i was ceo at a young age i became ceo and uh when i was age 34 35 um and that's unusual and so some of that i had to learn on my own and but yes there's always been mentors and I, I continue to learn today from coworkers. i would say they're just as much a mentor to me as i am to them and um every day you can learn something new from from somebody if you're willing to, to shut the thing i'm talking out of and, and open the ears and listen
0: it's quite an amazing story to, to, to hear that you were a CEO at such a young age as well. Like, like from a, a, a motivation and a, and a mental st- standpoint, like, is this something that you were always like keen to learn and you always had that drive? Like, how did you like, in your opinion, like how did you achieve that level of success at such a young age?
1: I, I don't think it's a healthy, I think when you look at most successful people, there's a, there's probably an unhealthy reason why they uh, they're so successful. So maybe there's a there's a there's a hole in the heart, or or you just uh, you just always want to do a little bit better. And and I've had it since I was a kid. And um, you know, family is very important to me. I always wanted to be uh, successful to uh, to you know make my family proud of me and uh, to to support my children. And and uh, I don't know. You know, it's one of those things you're just gonna get set on it. And I never really sat back and thought about it. And I'm a grinder, uh, you know, to get to that, that CEO spot, I was probably working 12, 14 hour days for, uh, for years and years and years. And what I've learned is you can still work nine hours a day and, and get just as much done and have a little fun uh, now. And, I, I, you know, I don't know, Mark, it's a good question. And uh, I think paying a shrink a few hundred dollars an hour is probably a, a, a better way to find the an answer to that. I don't, I don't have a coherent way to say it. It's just uh, it kind of worked out that way.
0: Yeah, well, I guess maybe another way of asking the question is how do you define success? And maybe what was a defining moment for you?
1: Well, success for me is, you know, is, is accomplishing something that you set out to do. And, and generally in business, that means everybody's partially dissatisfied, which means that you probably got a good deal because everybody's not getting everything they want. and But everybody had enough where they're not walking away angry. And um, i tell you the most successful moment i ever had uh, sort of the highlight, I've done things that are financially more rewarding, but I bought a business, uh, at my former company, um, where I had to go to Columbus, Ohio, and I worked three straight days, including we flew in that night, and I was in a, a waffle house, which is a little hole um, in the wall restaurant in the US, uh, working until two o'clock in the morning, and then back in my hotel room, we worked through the night with lawyers back here in California, paper finally got the deal done, approved for the bank, uh, the the, buy, the seller, and the seller's bank, um about eight o'clock in the morning ran in signed the deal had to wait in a in a conference room for hours to wait for the wire to hit had about an hour to meet employees tell them what happened ran back to the airport got on an airplane flew into orange county at at 10 o'clock at night for a global manager meeting where we had 40 50 employees from around the world waiting for me walk into the hotel lobby and get a standing ovation that, that, that to me was the coolest experience I ever had at, at, in, in anything I ever did. And I think it was just the sheer exhaustion of uh, getting that deal done. And I've done a couple like that, but um, getting validation um, and the attaboy from people that you work with and that you respect, that's success. Um, you know, and doing it the right way uh, where uh, you, you don't cut corners, you treat people the right way, you're fair, you're honest. Um, and uh, you can look people in the eye, that's success to me. Very good.
0: All right, Scott. Well, I want to thank you for coming on the Rental Journal podcast.
1: Thank you, Mark. Appreciate it.
0: Please like, share, follow the Rental Journal podcast and I'll see you everyone in next week's episode.